This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Unstoppable life. Everything I'm about to share with you is not novel and not new, and it's been preached in this room many, 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 many times before. And yet, as Walter was saying in the announcements, there's something very significant about this day, and that is that it heightens our sense of focus on something that should never be taken lightly. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to heighten our focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's a study in the power of Christ's resurrection. Paul says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, which could be translated in different translations as worthless or useless. You are still in your sins. In other words, we're dealing with a, an idea, a concept, a fact that if it is diminished at all in the church of Jesus Christ in your life, it actually leaves you still vulnerable to the effects of sin. Jesus died on the cross, and he crushed the head of the serpent, and he accomplished something. He even whispered the words, it is finished. But he proved who he was. He proved the fact that he had the authority to do what he did in and through his resurrection. God has come to this earth, And he is the author of life. And it says that he came with the power of an endless life, which is not the way that most of us work. We don't work with the word endless. To us, that just means without finish. But the idea that we're going to unpack today is unstoppable. It is a life that cannot be quenched. And that is the power of the life of God. And so God came to this earth did what needed to be done on that cross, and then, because he has the power of an unstoppable life, burst forth out of that grave. If Christ is not risen, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. So Psalm 89 sets the stage for our understanding of the importance of the resurrection. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Say, law, ponder that. What man can live and not see death? Can you think of any man that could live and not see death? The wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, no man can live and not see it. Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Selah means to pause, to think about it. Think about that, people. You cannot deliver yourself from the power of the grave. So then Hosea comes forth with this amazing prophecy of the one who will come and will conquer that grave for us. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Isn't that an amazing finish? Pity is hidden from my eyes. Here's God talking to the grave. Here's God talking to the power of death. 
Pity is hidden. I will show no pity on you. When I crush that head, when I trample the power of the grave, I will show no pity. I like our God. The power of the grave. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. So I'm going to introduce you very briefly to the idea of power as it is used in the text of Scripture. Because we use one word, we use power, which most of us just think of like, <laughs> power. But that's actually not fully what it is. There's, it splits into two. So I'm going to introduce it to you in the two uh, kinds of power. You have exousia, and you don't have to remember this if you don't want, but you could look very smart if you do. Exousia is the Greek word for, it's typically translated as power, but it translates to us, and our understanding is legal boundary or jurisdiction. Like, for instance, I have exousia in the Ludi home over my kids. It is a God-given position that I have, and that's power. So I could say I have power over the Ludi home. That just doesn't translate very well. But that's actually how the Bible would translate it, okay? A king has exousia. He has legal authoritative power. He could be four foot tall, about 87 pounds, and a you know, strong wind could blow him away, but he could have authority over all the land. He could have power. Then we have another form of power, which is dunamis. And you'll notice it looks similar to the word dynamite. It's where the word dynamite comes from. And this would be muscular power. This is like the Superman type of power. This is military force. So a little four-foot-tall, 87-pound king can wield authority over a military force, and he can crush other nations. It's his exousia that wields the dunamis of a military force. Okay, So those are the two kinds of power that we'll see in Scripture. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is, Jesus was speaking. For with authority, or with exousia, and with dunamis, power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. You see, Jesus possesses power. Not just muscular power, but legal authoritative power. This guy has the whole package. He's God. The power of the grave. So sorry to get back to that. We were sort of excited to move into the Jesus territory and talk about his power. But we have to understand what Jesus' power has been wielded against. The power of the grave. So we have two powers that are exhibited in the grave. Exousia, did you know that the grave actually has legal authoritative power over all that sin? They deserve death. That is the rightful wage for sin. So therefore, there is a legal authority and it can say, hey, I have you and I have a rightful claim over you legally. So that's the death penalty for the lawbreaker. And then dunamis, a gigantic stone is rolled in front of this grave that no man in his own strength can push away. And that is symbolic. There is only one that has exousia and dunamis power over this grave. We know him as Jesus Christ. The great promise. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I'll redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. I love it. I had to stick it in again. Satan had the power of death. Now, you'll notice I made it sound uh, past tense. It is on purpose. In other words, Satan had the power of death. Him that had the power or the exousia of death, that is the devil. Jesus has the power of life. If you're going to ask me which power I'd prefer to have, this is the one I would lean towards. The power of life. Both the jurisdiction, or what we could call the legal power of life, and the strength power of life. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, the word quickens means to make alive. 
Even so, the Son quickens or makes alive whom he will, is the power of life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Therefore does my Father love me, says Jesus, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. This is such an amazing statement here. Listen, I have power, which is the legal authoritative power. He has the power and the authority over the domain of life. He controls it. He's the king of it, if you want to say it that way. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. What? I I don't know how many of you, when you die, you can just sort of command your body as you're laying there, a dead corpse, come back to life. That's extraordinary. He has legal authoritative power literally to take his life back. This commandment I have received of my father or this legal position that I have over life, I've received this from my father. There arises a priest. I love this statement. It's speaking about Melchizedek, which is a whole interesting study in and of itself. But in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest. Who is this priest? His name is Jesus, who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power, the dunamis of an endless life. So this idea of him coming is, if if I could describe it for you, you have to go back in time to David standing against Goliath. And what it says is that David, in the Hebrew, it's the word mahar, which means he sprinted. David sprinted at Goliath. You need to apply that same mental idea to the way that this sentence flows. That literally, Jesus sprints forth towards this enemy with the power of a life that is unstoppable. That's what it's saying. So akatalitas, this word for endless, indissoluble, inextinguishable. You ever had one of those uh, birthday uh, candles that you blow out and it's like a trick candle and it comes back? We had one of those for Hudson that we stuck it in the trash and the trash caught on fire. So uh, be watchful of that. That's uh, akatalitas, candle. It's inextinguishable. And the way that this life could be likened, if Jesus was a torch, it's like sticking him into the ocean. And everyone's saying, oh, there's no hope for that. No, no, don't you realize that that's akatolitos flame. That's an akatolitos fire known as God. And then sure enough, it shoots out of the ocean. How in the world can a flame somehow survive that? He came forth in the power of an akatolitos life. It's unstoppable. It's unable to be destroyed, unable to be hindered, everlasting, endless. That's how God came to this earth. He came with that legal authority and that dunamis strength of life. The fact that he laid down his life and became weak should shock us. He became weak to take on our position, but he wielded that unto victory. A priest who has come, ushering forth like David against Goliath in the power of an akatolitas life. Death holds a lawful claim. I, and I hate to break it to us. It's called the bad news. Death holds a lawful claim. It's not just you know, sort of a uh, strategic thing where the devil is you know, squatter's rights. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, where someone sticks on, sits on, builds a house on someone else's property. And, uh, hey, that's not your property. The devil actually has territory 
I always call it the trash can. I don't know if you've ever heard me describe it, but it's like in, in, my, in the Ludi house, we have a, a house, and it's supposed to smell good, okay? I can't say that we don't have some invasion uh, at times of different smells, but it's supposed to smell good, and there's, there's things, there's like trash, and it has a place, and that's in the trash can. In other words, in my whole house, there is a place for stuff that doesn't match the nature of the house, and that's the trash can. And in God's creation, he separated out a territory called darkness, and that, once that is established, anything that is not of his nature goes right in there. And guess who's the charge of that? The prince of the trash can. Yeah, the devil. I don't know why he brags about it, but it's, he's the prince of the trash can. However, when we sin, we violate the nature of the house, and that is where we legally go. And so as a result, death, or the trash can, has a lawful claim over our life. The soul that sins... It goes into the trash can, guys. It shall die. The soul that sins, it shall die. That is fact. It's called the law of sin and death. You sin, you die. You eat of that fruit, the day in which you do, you die. You sin, you die. The law of sin and death. For the wages of sin is death. For all have sinned. Uh Uh-oh. Wherefore, as by one man sinner entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Sorry to break to you the, the bad news first. The good news only has context in light of the bad news. And like I said, I, I can almost say that maybe every single one of us has heard what I'm saying today. It's not novel, not a new invention, but meditate upon it. Cherish this truth. The bad news, simple breakdown. Sin, the violation of God's law, entered the world by one man. His name is Adam. Death entered the world by sin, which is the violation of God's law. And all have sinned and all are under the just sentence of death. Understand the legal or exousia power of the devil. I don't like to have to say that the devil has any exousia, that he has any legal territory. He just does. Even according to scripture, he does. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him, speaking of showing Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this exousia will I give thee in the glory of them. He doesn't have any business giving something unless he had it. In other words, he has territory that has compromised, that is under his domain, if you will. For that is delivered unto me, and and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me and shall be thine, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You see, Jesus is on a mission, and he's going to claim that territory for himself. But he's dealing with a very real reality, and that is the devil's terrain is defined. In other words, the whole earth sort of entered into the trash can. We've got a fallen creation here. We've got some problems to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan or the exousia of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He that commits sin is of the devil. You can tell which kingdom you're a part of. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, 
that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. You are of your father, the devil. Well, that must have felt good to hear. And the desires of your father you want to do. There's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. All have sinned. Therefore, all are under the control and the power of the kingdom of darkness, ruled by Satan. It doesn't sound very delightful, I know, but that's what makes the gospel so powerful, is to understand that there is no way you can be saved from this grave, this just penalty that leads to death and keeps you forever and ever and ever. There is no way that you can escape it. However, Jesus has come to transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom. The great redemption, the amazing work of unstoppable life. Jesus might taste death for everyone, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus came into this territory that we live. He shared in this humanity that we bear. He shared in our weakness, and he took on our penalty so that he could destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Our Savior Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The two agendas. The thief, the one that rules this trash can, this grave, comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Listen to what Jesus says. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give life to those that are dead. That is the great message of the gospel. But the way that God does this has to perfectly match who he is. You see, in this trash can, there's a lot of bad behavior. And some of you have spent a good season of your life in this trash can. You know what I mean by that. There's a lot of lying, deceit, stealing, pride, all sorts of stuff in here that doesn't fit into the kingdom of light. And this is where God is. And God behaves as light. In him, there is no darkness. So how is a God who is perfect and pure and right going to enter into this domain and live? How is he going to get us out of the clutches of the devil? Because the devil has a rightful claim. You can't steal God. Think about that. God can't steal us from the devil because God can't steal. He can't lie. He can't do anything of sin to rescue us. So how's he going to get us? He's the king of righteousness, the king of the perfect behavior. So how does the perfect behavior come in and do this? So the God, God the king of righteousness, initiates the rescue, the plan of redemption. Uh, this is going to be hard, guys. I, I don't know how he's going to do it. The law must be matched. In other words, he must fulfill the perfect law of God. Now, there's reasons for that, and I wish I could go into great depths of this. But he has to measure up to perfection. So the law is going to have to be matched in a human body. Good luck. The demands of perfect righteousness met. The just punishment for sin satisfied. The curse born and carried. And the full effects of death absorbed. Well, who can pull that off? There is no man that could be the Messiah. 
The only one that could ever pull it off would be God as a man. The only one that could possibly pull off this amazing rescue is God himself. I like that. Jesus. You can just look at it for a little bit. It's a great name. The only possible solution. An Adam without sin. To stand for the Adams, he needed to become an Adam. And he needed to be an Adam without sin. A high priest that brings a spotless, satisfying offering. You see, unless it is a perfect lamb, unless it is a perfect sacrifice, and every single one of us has a blemish, unless the sacrifice is perfect, unless it can absorb all of that that we have borne in our sin, unless it can carry all of that, it can't possibly save us. So what do we know about Jesus? This is what it says in Scripture. He knew no sin. In him was and is no sin. He did no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He was and ever is the Lamb of God, without blemish and without spot. He did nothing amiss. Certainly he was a righteous man. The prince of this world had nothing or no legal grounds of condemnation in him. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was just. Which means, according to the law of God, he was perfect. I know, this is one of the things that a lot of us struggle with. But we didn't die. He did. How can we benefit from his work? But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Many of you have heard me say this before, but Adam, it says that when one man sinned, all sinned. And yet, that was close to 6,000 years ago that Adam hunk bit into that fruit. And yet, all of us, you have to sort of understand your uh, genetics and the biology of this, but we were in Adam. Naturally speaking, biologically speaking, we are descendants of Adam so that when he behaved and did what he did, we were in him. And therefore, we share in that just consequence for his behavior, let alone our own behavior. In other words, we start with a limp. We're in Adam. And all have sinned. All are in Adam. Sin is passed upon all. A just consequence for even Adam's sin is passed upon all of us, not even including our sin. But Jesus lived perfectly. How can you share in that? Because that's the key to the gospel. We know how to share in Adam. We do that without even trying. But how do you share in what Jesus did? You see, if you remain in Adam, you die. And the devil has a just claim over your life. And that grave still has a stone rolled in front of it. But there is one who has burst forth from that grave. Who has conquered death. Who has absorbed the penalty that is rightfully to fall on you. And that's Jesus. And Jesus says, if you repent and believe, it's faith in him. In his ability to work on your behalf. To look upon his work and say, that is sufficient to save me. 
And when you believe in Christ, it says that you exit Adam. You put off Adam and you put on Christ. And therefore, just as you shared in Adam's penalty, now you share in Christ's victory. The nullification of the power of sin. So we're going to go into a courtroom here, and we're going to listen. The devil's going to, he's a slick attorney, and he, he has his mouth full to give, okay? You're the, the, the uh, defendant. Uh, you, your case isn't looking too hot, uh, because you have to live without sin. That's what the law says. You have to be perfect. But it's sort of hard, because you already started in Adam, so you have all the effects of Adam upon you already. Even if you try your best to live without sin, you still got issues, So the devil feels pretty confident going into this court case. And so the legal argument of Satan. So here's he sort of walks in the front, gives a smirk at the audience, even looks at you and uh, gives his one look like, I got you. I got you. There's no way out of this. He's going to give his airtight arguments. Uh, The wages of sin is death. It's funny how the devil will quote scripture when it's to his advantage. The wages of sin is death. If they sin, they die. They sinned. I get them. The jurisdiction of death is my domain. No one argues. So they are mine. They are under my jurisdiction and therefore are my slaves. Legal property of me as their lawful master. He's feeling pretty good. And so uh, he sits down with a smug look on his face. And then Jesus rises up. You see, what a high priest is, is one who stands on your behalf, like a lawyer. One who stands before that bar of justice, before the Father, and makes an appeal. The wages of righteousness is life and grace. If they believe, they live. You see, this is where the devil sort of caught off guard. He knows the law of sin and death, which is if you sin, you die. But he doesn't understand that there's a greater law. It's a higher law. Just like aerodynamics is a higher law than gravity. Gravity exists. But there is a higher law. And when you enter into a plane, even though gravity is still there, you actually operate under a higher law. And Jesus brings out the higher law. If they believe, they live. The devil rustles in his seat and goes, what? They believed, so I get them. I have the power of life and grace. The jurisdiction of life is my domain. So they are mine. They are under my jurisdiction of grace and therefore are my children, legal property of me as their lawful master. The courtroom like applauds and the devil's like, what? over there, and uh, everyone's high-fiving the gospel. You see, it's an exchange. There's a higher law. You sin, you die. You sin, you die. You sin, you die. And all have sinned. Therefore, all are deserving of a just penalty in a closed grave forever and ever and ever and ever. But if one will simply humble themselves and believe in Jesus and trust him to save them, The stone rolls away. The grave opens, not because of any work we do, but because of the work he did. And we enter into his triumph, his strength, 
his life, which by the way is unstoppable. And the devil, no matter what he contrives, cannot stop what God is doing inside of us. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The higher law wins out in the courtroom. Did you know, O devil, if they believe, they're mine. And that's the law that we hold to with our life. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and that's the big bummer, that's what we were focused on at the beginning, the bad news, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. One man sinned, all died. One man was triumphant over the grave, and now all can live. So we're just going to do a review, just to freshly you know, bring the, the gospel message to a higher level. You have, to, you have to have the contrast. Like in a good movie, the, the badder the bad guy, the, the more the good guy shines, right? The badder the bad guy. I know that sounds like terrible grammar, but it's, it's fun to say it. The badder the bad guy. So we have some bad dudes here, some bad news. Sin, the violation of God's law, entered the world by one man, Adam. Boo. Death entered the world by sin, the violation of God's law. Boo. And all have sinned and all are under the just sentence of death. Boo. This is bad stuff. It's a fact, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The good news. Righteousness entered the world by one man. Jesus. Life, the gift of grace, entered the world by the clothing of righteousness. He has made it available to us. Step in. You have lived in Adam. Put off Adam and clothe yourself in my work. All that believe shall partake of the life that is eternal and the life that is unstoppable. He that liveth. Isn't that a great statement of God? He that liveth. It's a little King James-ish, I know, but it's, it's still really cool. Okay, so... I'm going to, if you have your notes, you'll see this, but I'm going to say what Jesus says, and then it says something like the redeemed of the Lord say. It's like one of those repeat back types of things, so when you see it, I think it'll be up on the screen so you guys can cheat and look at that, but if you have your notes, you can anticipate and even practice. All right. Jesus says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. The redeemed of the Lord say, this is where all of us kick in. For I know that my Redeemer lives. The Lord lives. Isn't this fun? Jesus says, Whoever believes in me should not perish but have everlasting life. And because I live, you will live also. The redeemed of the Lord say, For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
And I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I am the life. The redeemed of the Lord say, because he continues forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those of us who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. Such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. The meditation on the resurrection leads us to the astounding reality that we are no longer under the just penalty of our sin. Though every single one of us in here should receive the penalty of death, even justly speaking, we should be in a grave with a big stone rolled in front of it. And I don't know any corpse that can possibly somehow get itself up and then push away a stone. Every single one of us is in a very, very bad situation outside of Jesus Christ. But that stone did roll away. And he came to this earth in the power of an akatolitos life. And that grave cannot keep him. Any more than that torch going into the ocean waters can somehow quench the fire of the life of God. It still burns. God has done it. He is victorious. We have communion today, which I would say is uh, quite an extraordinary thought, uh, to, to share in the remembrance of his death, burial, and resurrection on such a day as this. But there is a tradition, and I know many of you know it, that I'm supposed to say something and then you say it back. You guys know that, that tradition, right? But I want us to recognize that when I say he is risen, that I want to emphasize like capital I and capital S. He is risen. I want us to freshly remember that instead of just going through motions. So many of us, this is the reason why Resurrection Sunday is actually hard at a certain dimension is I don't want it to be glossed over and become just sort of like a flannel board Sunday school story. Have you ever had that? Or Veggie Tales. What Veggie Tales ends up doing to stories like David and the Giant Pickle, you know, that type of a thing, where it no longer is real. But this is actually real. Our God lives the same Akatolitos life that he had back then is the same Akatolitos life that he has now. And that same unstoppable, unquenchable life is the life that is in you. The same exousia, authoritative power that he has, he has vested it in you and you have access unto that same authority of life. You have the same dunamis, the same muscular power of an army. Not just any army, the army of heaven literally deposited inside of you. You have access to the life of God. When we hear the statement that, well, I'll just say it. Uh, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have everlasting life. Everlasting. We think that that means it starts someday in the future. You know, so, oh, well, eternal life, that's going to be, you know, when I die. 
I'll have eternal life. You see, you're missing something. I'm not saying you won't. I'm saying you're missing something. And that is that the moment you have Jesus, you have everlasting life. You have eternal life. Get this. You have akatalitas life. You have life is what you have. And that life has a lot of descriptors to it, but it is life. Take advantage of that life today. Enjoy that life today. Worship that life today. It is Jesus. It is his life. And he has given it to us. What an incredible privilege. He is risen. A little uh, shaky there. Uh, We're going to do it again. He is risen. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Ludy, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.